KHP Patreon Exclusive 006 Hypothermia I was running. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. I was in the woods. Snow. So much snow. I just saw drooping pine branches covered with snow that made everything look sad and depressing. I think it was getting close to evening. I remember that the shadows were orange and everything was in a shadow. The world seemed muffled from all of the snow on the branches. I couldn't really hear anything over the sounds of my breathing and my pants pushing through the snow. That horrible stuff, slowing me down and leaving tracks for whatever I was running from. I stopped for a moment to catch my breath. I listened close. The sounds of trees creaking in the breeze overhead were the only things that I heard. As if carried by the wind, I heard dogs barking. Far off and faint, I knew that one of the things chasing me was the dogs, and I had to keep running. I bolted, leaving the area I was in behind, and began trying to think of ways to stop creating tracks. Could I climb a tree and hop from one to the other? It was too obvious. Climbing on rocks? The rocks were covered with snow. That wouldn't work. What I needed was a stream or a river to walk up or down to get rid of my scent and stop my tracks. I ran through some brambles and they pierced my clothing, tearing into my flesh. The pain was a new feeling that was almost warming compared to the cold that had enveloped my body. I sort of enjoyed the sensation. I trudged through the snow, pushing against it with my legs. I ran under pine trees where the snow was a bit less deep and easier to move through. I saw something ahead of me. Yeah, a large area without snow. I forced my way through, hoping to avoid those trying to capture me. I arrived on the banks of a river. It was shallow, only a few inches deep on the banks. I ran into the water. The liquid was warm against my cold feet and almost soothed them. I felt the heaviness of the water creep up my pant legs as the cloth absorbed the water. I ran as fast as I could, spraying water in front of me, soaking my legs entirely and splashing it all over my shirt and face. I stopped, listening for anything over the sound of the water rippling past me. Closer than before, I heard the dogs. More than one following my tracks. Their masters couldn't have been far behind. I had to cross the river, maybe fifty feet to the other side, a foot at the deepest point. I crossed, hoping that the distance plus the water itself would mask my scent from the hounds closing in on me. As I crossed, a rock dislodged from under my foot, causing me to fall forward. My front was thoroughly soaked now, as the water smacked my face. I remembered something. Water. I was being forcibly pushed underwater. A bathtub. There were three men around me. One of them was holding me under until I could barely stand it before pulling me out and asking me to confess. I gurgled and struggled to keep from blacking out before 
I felt the force stop being put on my head. I pulled myself out of the tub, out of the water. The room was empty. I looked up and down the river. I hadn't moved far enough upstream yet. I bolted for the bank on the other side, making sure that I didn't leave Prince behind. The parts of my body that were out of the water suddenly had a shock of cold go through them as wind swept up through the small valley that nestled the river. I shivered as I continued walking along the bank for a few hundred meters, my splashing keeping my legs warm as the water soaked them. A thin layer of ice was beginning to coat my torso and upper thighs. I looked behind me, downstream, towards where I had come from. No signs of dogs or anyone yet. I ran into the woods, following a small tributary stream that fed the river. If I could keep my tracks from being seen on the riverbanks, they might lose me. As I went to climb out of the creek, part of the bank slid from under me. I slammed onto my face and slid down the steep incline back to the creek. I was dragged across the yard. It was covered in muddy slush. The trail that many people had walked was throwing up bits of rock and stone to cut me as I was dragged. I saw the feet of two of the men. Their nice boots almost glistened each time slush splashed out from under their weight as they walked. I saw a small bulge above one of their boots. A concealed pistol or a knife. Could I use that to escape? I looked up at the bank of the creek and began climbing again. Grabbing onto the exposed roots and rocks, I crawled through the snow until I could barely stand without the threat of sliding again. I walked quickly, shivering and breaking off bits of ice from my clothes when I noticed them hanging on me. I don't know how long I paraded through the snow before I smelled it. Wood smoke. I was at a campfire. I had decided to go out camping to see a meteor shower that was supposed to occur that night. The fire felt so nice against the chill of winter. I had just added some wood to the fire when I heard the crunch of snow from across the fire. A man emerged from the edge of the fire's light. A shiny object pointed in my direction. A pistol. The man had on a uniform. A badge glinted off of it in my fire's light. I raised my hand slowly to show that I was no threat. Then I heard another crunch behind me before I felt a bag put over my head. I tried to fight, but I was no match for three of them. I almost slid to a stop when I smelled the wood smoke. Which way was the wind blowing? Don't lose the smell. Think. Don't panic or get excited. Wood smoke meant fire. Fire meant warmth. Warmth meant living. I felt a breeze and headed in the direction that it came from. The snowdrifts were no match for my newfound will to live. I was beginning to move quickly. In a survival situation, moving quickly meant mistakes, and mistakes could mean an accident. In the middle of nowhere, in the winter, with no provisions or gear, it would surely mean death. I must have pushed through the snow for nearly twenty minutes. My feet had gone numb and my fingers were losing their color. Both had begun feeling warm again, which meant that frostbite wasn't far off. I nearly cried when I saw it. A cabin, a small cabin that sat in the clearing, 
There couldn't have been more than two or three rooms to the entire place. A stone chimney protruded from the snowy roof, just asking to have a fire built within it. I stepped into the clearing. It was almost surreal. There were no dogs barking in the distance. Snow had begun falling steadily and would soon cover my tracks, giving me a secure escape. I smiled as I crossed the clearing. A woman stepped out from the cabin, onto the porch, and waved to me. I raised a hand and smiled. It had begun turning blue. She looked familiar and reminded me of pictures of my mother that I had seen once long ago. I walked up to the porch and saw there were no tracks in the snow leading to the cabin. No vehicles outside either. Where had the woman gone? I stepped up the stairs until I was standing outside of the door. Looking in, I saw that the place was fully furnished. A Christmas tree sat lit in the corner. Stockings were hanging from the fireplace, and, and decorations were hung on the walls. I tried to open the door and found that it was cracked open already. I stepped inside. My steps echoed in the cabin. The sounds of the outside world muffled as the snow fell around my enclosure. I walked over to the table. Two chairs sat at a small, dusty table. I was in a dark room. Underground, I think, because of the dripping water. The room had one light bulb and two chairs. A man was tied to one of the chairs, beaten and bloody. His face was lumpy and bruised from abuse. His nose was crooked and at an unnatural angle, and he was missing a few teeth that I saw lying on the ground around him. When he looked up and saw me, all he said was, I didn't do it. To what? I asked. The officer, Klein. That bastard. He's had me down here for weeks, trying to force me to confess to some crime I never did. I wasn't even near the state when it happened. Klein claims he has evidence that will put me away for life. Says I can save myself by confessing now. I know Klein or his sons did whatever bullshit he claims I did. He needs to have someone to arrest to make sure him or his sons aren't suspected. I'm sure that's why you're here, too. The man coughed and spit up some bloody mucus onto the floor. I was sitting in the cabin. The Christmas decorations reminded me of my girlfriend. She loves decorating for Christmas. Usually she starts the day after Halloween. And I always ask her, well, what about the fall? She replies, Halloween, Christmas, fall for the week of Thanksgiving, then back to Christmas. I smiled as I got up from the chair and walked over to the fireplace. I grabbed some wood from the rack and added it to the flaming pile that was already there. I rubbed my hands together and felt them warming up slowly. I was startled when I heard a noise behind me then, a knock at the door. I looked over and saw someone staring in. They gave me a wave and pointed to the door handle. I had locked the door when I entered the cabin. As I walked to the door, I saw it was my best friend from college, Corey. He had gotten a degree in geology but ended up doing quality control at a cheese factory near his hometown. I think he eventually ended up doing quality assurance for a medical device company. We sort of fell out of touch a few years after college. His hair was cut short. I remember it being past his shoulders in college. I let him in, and we walked around looking at the place. He commented on how nice it looked and liked how I decorated it. I told him I didn't do it, and I found it that way, and he chuckled. 
We sat at the table, and I made him some hot chocolate. We started discussing life, where we'd been, what we'd been up to. It was nice to just visit and not worry about anything. We must have talked for an hour or so before he said he had to go back home. I got up and led him to the door, and just as he walked off the porch, I saw that the back of his shirt was stained red. That's right. A jealous ex finally snapped and stabbed him repeatedly. I looked at the darkness of the night looming in the clearing. I got an uneasy feeling about Klein and the dogs. I outran them, lost them. There's no way they'd break into some random person's cabin looking for me. I was safe here. I was warm and had protection. I closed the door and turned around. My father sat on the couch looking at the fire. I got quiet. My dad had never been the nicest man. He used to hit me and forced me into all sorts of after-school sports and activities that I never wanted to do. I had always wanted to be a chef and go to school for it, but he shot it down saying that the idea was stupid and that you can't make money doing that sort of work. I just sat next to him, his skin blistered and head partially sunken in from what my mother had done to him. He had gone too far one night after a regular beating, and she threw the pot of boiling water on his face, then smashed him repeatedly with the pan until he stopped moving. He told me, You know you're gonna need to get your lazy dumbass up. You're gonna die here if you don't get your act together. I told him I know, I know, but I'm happy here. See how nice my girlfriend made everything? It doesn't matter. If you don't show the world how good you have it, you ain't shit. You don't know what you're talking about. You beat your wife and children and lived a miserable life and left nothing to speak of behind. You're thinking about me, so I must have done something right. I just remember you to think about how shitty it was back then and how I overcame it. You're just a shit-stained stepping stone in my life. You know I didn't mean to hurt you. It was all the drink's fault. Stop blaming your actions on the alcohol, Dad. All it did was show us the real you. He nodded then and stood from the couch with a grunt, walking towards the fireplace. He put his hand on it and looked back at me. You have a nice place. Better than what I was able to do. I'm just jealous you had it better than me. I didn't say anything as I watched him walk towards the door and open it. He stepped out into the cold darkness and turned and smiled before closing the door. I heard his steps walk off the porch and fade as he left. I put my head in my hands and just sobbed. Memories of my childhood coming back to me. All the things I had wanted to do with my life but was never allowed or encouraged to do. Times I was beat for the most insignificant thing because he was drunk. How many ways could my life have been changed by removing this one person earlier from my life? He's right, you know, I heard from behind me. It startled me and made me jump. Christine, my ex, was sprawled out on the floor. Her tank top was disheveled and her ribcage was the wrong shape. One of her arms was bent the wrong way and a leg was obviously hanging on only by the skin. The bone shattered when the car hit her. Are they still an ex if they died when they were dating you? He's jealous of you. Talks about it constantly. I tell him to shut up and let you live your life, but he never does. Pathetic, really. You think that he'd go be with your mom or... Maybe watch over that woman that he saw every couple of weeks instead. Why are you watching me, Christine? What do you want? Can't you see I'm trying? You haven't changed a bit, she interrupted me. 
You need to stop focusing on stupid shit and focus on what's actually happening around you. She lifted her head from the floor. You're still too dumb to realize what's going on. I walked over and sat on the couch and looked down at her mangled body. Even in this state, she was still beautiful. What's going on, Christine? Look around. Do you really think you're in a cabin decorated for Christmas, and your long-dead friends are just showing up out of the kindness of their hearts? You're closer to what we are than you've ever been. You just stay here, sitting and thinking about your life for a bit, all your hopes and dreams that you'll never get to try, all the things you regret, your girlfriend never knowing what happened to you, worrying constantly, waiting for you to come back. Just wallowing your sadness for a while. We'll all be here when you're ready. I looked. Christine was gone. The lights on the tree and those hung around the room were dimmer now. Some bulbs were flickering slightly. I got up and went to the table again. The wood seemed older, dustier. The cabinets and counters were dried, cracked. I looked at the table that had the cups of hot chocolate on it. The mugs were crusty and filled with long-forgotten something that was left to rot away with the kitchen. I looked at the fireplace. The fire was still roaring, but it felt cold. The tree with presents strewn under it still glistened brightly and invitingly. I heard another noise outside. A shout. I walked up to the window and peered outside. It wasn't Klein, or his sons, or their dogs, but the man from the basement cell that was sitting in the chair he was walking up towards the cabin. Was this some sick trick that Klein was trying to play on me? Did he think that I would give myself up and just walk out towards the man I spent little time with in their torture chamber? He trudged through the snow, a dark form against the white, untouched powder. There must have been another four inches added while talking with Corey, Dad, and Christine. The knock came, light and gentle. I'm sure he knew I was in here, saw my tracks. Klein might be hiding nearby, waiting. I looked through the window on the door, at the man's swollen and bruised face. He looked even more disfigured by the shadows of the multiple Christmas lights in the cabin. The actual definition and shapes were hard to see clearly. He tried the handle and found it unlocked. Just my luck. My father had to fuck me over one last time and leave the door unlocked for my captors to come in and get me. The man walked in. A massive limp in one leg. I could see the joint on his right knee was bent in. As if he had been hit with something, and it was just broken into that shape. I stared at him, scared that he might make some sort of move to attack me, or signal to Klein or his sons to come take me away again. He sat at the table. His bloodied shirt almost glistened with sweat and blood. He gave me a look that told me to come sit with him. And I did. I sat opposite him at the table and stared into his dull, blue eyes. Well, you made it further than I ever would have. How'd you get free? I thought for a moment. I couldn't remember how I got away from Klein or his sons. I don't remember there being a fight or a struggle. I must have escaped when no one was looking. During a time they were distracted or eating dinner. That would explain why it was so close to the dark when I was running. You know, you need to get warm. They're gonna find you again, just give it time but you'll already be dead and of no use to them at that point. No one you care about will find you. I was warm. I had a nice fire in the fireplace. I stood up and walked over to it. 
holding my hands out towards the fire. They had become a whitish blue from the cold outside. I rubbed them together and felt a soft, tingling sensation. My feet and hands were still numb for some reason. I looked at the man sitting at the table. He stood up and said, You need to focus. I'm going to go so you can do that. Just make sure that you really make a fire this time. As he said that, I saw the light change in the room. I looked over. There was no sign that a fire had been lit there, just the logs that I had put there. I looked back, and he was gone. The door wide open, snow blowing over the threshold. I got up and slowly walked over to shut the door. I scavenged through the cupboards in the house, eventually finding some matches. Using that with some newspaper and kindling scraps, I fashioned a small fire in the fireplace. My fingers didn't want to cooperate. They were moving slowly. Eventually, the heat coming out of the fireplace was just how I had remembered it before the man from underground arrived. I walked to the other room of the cabin, a bedroom. I dragged some sheets and a pillow to lay in front of the fire. I just stared at the flames as they grew, crackling and spitting sparks into the chimney. I let sleep slowly overtake me. The warmth, a comfort as those who had come to visit me earlier, began knocking on the door and windows. The whispers and shouts echoing down the chimney to greet me.